Welcome to Volunteer Connection, the podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. What's beautiful about Girl Scouts is that it takes girls outside of their comfort zones and encourages them to learn and grow and change the world. But Girl Scouts doesn't just do these great things for girls, it does the same things for the adults in the movement too. This podcast is to celebrate those amazing adults, to share lessons learned, advice, and best practices, and to tell their stories. Welcome to today's exciting episode. I'm really thrilled to do something a little bit different this week. So we're interviewing Corinne Devon. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Thank you. Um, And so uh, I'm really excited. I want to dive right in. Let's do a brief introduction. Who are you? What does your Girl Scout experience look like? And um, how did you find the podcast? Well, I am actually a Naval officer, a Lieutenant Commander in the United States Navy. So I am currently located in Catania, Italy, Sicily. Girl Scouting is something that I got involved at a very young age starting Daisies and went all the way to seniors and got my gold and silver award. And really the common thread was my dad was in the military. He was a Navy dentist just like me, which meant I drank the Kool-Aid. And Girl Scouts, as well as my brother and Boy Scouts, was a common thread that we had growing up, moving um, every two to three years from one military base to another. And because of those girls and the the troop leaders I had, we're still very well connected today. In fact, I think our moms still get together quite a bit. And what helped me find your podcast was, you know, I've been told I have a really unique story, an interesting story, and I feel that there's so many ways that you can get involved and engage but something that's been around for over a hundred years, something that is truly an international organization where you have that camaraderie, that sisterhood that you can go from one place to the next is really hard to find, especially outside the military. So in Girl Scouting, I found it and I was looking for a podcast where I can share it and possibly um, give some experience of a girl who's actually gone through every single stage of Girl Scouting. Yeah, so you were a Girl Scout actually all the way through 12th grade, is that right? That is correct, yes. I graduated and then it was college and say la vie to Girl Scouting, unfortunately. <laughs> now I just buy the cookies and support my friends' troops. Well, so. that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. So um, it's pretty rare for Girl Scouts to make it all the way through 12th grade, unfortunately. Um, one of the biggest drop-off points is at fifth grade and then, um, well, third grade and then fifth grade is the biggest, but but those are the two kind of main drop-off points. A lot of girls really struggle with staying in Girl Scouts through middle and high school. I think for a variety of reasons, you have stereotype things, but then you also have the fact that the types of girls who would be in Girl Scouting as older girls are also involved in 8 million other activities. So do you have any advice or suggestions or tips or any personal experience as to what might help keep girls in Girl Scouts in middle and high school? You know, I feel that finding people's motivation, like what motivates you and what is, what is your end goal um, would be helpful for scouting. One thing that was a common thread that kept me and the six girls that were in my Girl Scout troop all throughout high school together was we knew that a gold award could be the difference of us getting into a college or not. It could be the difference of us getting a scholarship or not. Um, It could be the one thing on our resume that gets us that interview through the door. And when we started learning those things, because, you know, in high school, 
you're doing all these activities, you're playing sports, you're doing community service, you're trying to get that A in every single class, you have a lot of pressure on you, you know, all of us kind of had to come together and be like, you know, what's our goal? What's our focus here? And, and every stage of scouting, I, we had a different focus. And at that time, our focus was, we all want to get into a good school for college. You know, what can we get out of scouting that will help us do that? And for us, our focus was our gold award. So what did you do for your gold award? Um, for my gold award, I decided to run a food drive not in December when I feel that everyone is very charitable and giving, which is wonderful around the holidays, but homeless people are very hungry the other 11 months of the year. And from doing some research, um, and at the time I was living in Reno, Nevada, I found out from the local food bank that the three months where they had the least amount of su supply of food and were most in need was actually in the summertime. June, July, August was the months where they had a very large demand because people moved, it's very transient time. Um, and also because the um, people kind of kind of forget about you know giving at that time of the year, they're more focused around the holidays. So I ran a summer food drive throughout all of Reno and did it for a few weeks and then delivered, I believe it was over 300 pounds of food. Wow, that's impressive. And it's um, amazing that what you learned and what you, focused on for that project that those details have stayed with you into adulthood that it obviously really had an impact. Absolutely. You know, I, when I was telling, you know, when we were figuring out our gold award, you know, we're all brainstorming different ideas um, among the table. We were all trying to think of like, you know, what is something we can do that we're passionate about? What is something that we're excited about? Because there's, there's going to be that rock wall, that brick wall that we're going to each hit. And we need to have something that is not going to stop us climbing over that brick wall or breaking things down into sizable chunks that we can, um, you know, move forward with. And for me, going into healthcare, I'm, an, I'm actually an orthodontist in the Navy. I, I enjoy helping people. I want to do something where I could give to someone who couldn't afford something. And it's kind of ironic that I, you know, got food for people who couldn't afford food. That now, as an orthodontist in the military, I provide orthodontic treatment for children, adult who necessarily can't afford that treatment for free. Yeah, that's wonderful. So did you, I don't know how much the Gold Award has changed as far as the requirements now compared to the requirements when you did it. Did you guys each individually do your own Gold Awards or did you do that as a group? We individually did our Gold Awards. Um, I graduated from high school in 99 and, and so did the most of the girls in my troop. So we did it prior to when we graduated. So I believe that was 98 or 99 when we did our, um, did our projects. Um, so Yes, individually, but then we had our Gold Award ceremony together as a troop. Do you remember any of the Gold Award projects that your troop mates did? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I do not remember those details. Uh, all I can remember is, is that each of the girls did something that was related to them. Um, so perhaps if I tell you the profession that each of these girls are in, that might um, give you some idea, but one girl became a chef. Another girl's a nurse. One girl is a civil engineer. And the other one is a teacher. And her sister is a um, board certified child. And uh, she's an anesthesiologist, but she's an anesthesiologist specializing for pediatrics and children at the Mayo Clinic. So each wow. of us will very different paths. She keeps going to school, so that's why I had to think about it for a second. Um, but interesting enough, we all try to get together once a year 
our mothers get together almost every month. They do a breakfast or a lunch together. So, you know, even though it started off with us just wanting to do something for a scholarship, it's kind of almost turned into like a yearly reunion where we catch up. We see what, you know, what jobs, um, some of the girls have gotten married, some have had children, some of the, some of us are traveling the world like I am, um, you know, but it's definitely been a common thread that has kept us together and has also been the thing that also brings us back um, to each other. That is amazing and so special. I love that. Thank you for sharing. <clears throat> so, okay, about your own gold award. Um, what do you think you, what, what skills or experiences do you think you gained from your gold award that shaped you into the person that you are post high school? I have learned that when you do a job that no one else wants to do and you're really good at it, you can get a lot of recognition for it. It gets a lot of attention. So me collecting food at a unpopular time of the year really drew a lot of attention. And I've carried that with my job, especially in the military and especially with some of the things that I've had to do. Um, that I feel like that kind of is on the road to greatness. Another thing I learned how to do was how to network in my community. Here I am calling people that I've never met, cold calling them on the phone, finding out where I can go into neighborhoods, who, who, what you need, when do you need it, without really any sort of credentials. And as a 16 or 17-year-old girl, that's kind of unnerving to think that you have to call a perfect stranger on the phone and ask them for help and convince them that in under 30 seconds. So those were definitely two skills that, that stood out. And then just really having a plan. Anything in life, the more you put in the preparation work of it, the better the plan is executed. Um, and the better the result. So those were some things that I can definitely attest to that have carried with me and other projects and other challenges I've faced um, since I've left scouting and well into my adulthood. Okay, so you had mentioned that part of the reason you were really focused on your gold and you, um, you and your troop mates all really wanted to earn your gold was so that it would help you directly with your post-high school steps. So how has having your gold award help you with college and or your military experience? Um, well, each of us got into our colleges of choices. Uh, each of us got a scholarship from some sort regarding the gold award. So for me, I can say Target gives a $1,000 community service scholarship, and it had to be about a community service project that you did or impacted your community, and the gold award felt perfectly into that. So I wrote an essay on it. What I did, I had photos, I had lots of documentation, and that helped me get that scholarship, for sure. Um, there were several others, but that's the one that stands out as well. Um, as far as, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to remember your last question um, with the Gold Award. You, you, could you repeat that one more time? I apologize. Oh, um, the military. I was wondering if it impacted your... That's right, the military. Okay. <laughs> so, because I had my Gold Award, how it how it helped me was I my very first year in the military like first six months I was asked to be the chairperson for the National Children's Dental Health Month and I had to take a budget a very very small budget and basically grow it so I would say the skills that I learned from my gold award in finding schools and areas that I can impact I took the same budget they had from years past and I quadrupled the numbers um, that we were able to impact and influence so wow. that to me, and, and as a result of that, I got a Navy, a Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal 
in my first 10 months in the military. So for me, you know, I think it's the skills. It's the, the younger you are, where you start learning these and mastering and practicing these skills, they really kind of set you up for success for the next challenge or the next opportunity that you see. Because I, I always tell people, you know, you, you see an obstacle, but I see an opportunity when I see an obstacle because you want to go do something that no one else wants to do. And at first it's going to feel hard. It's going to feel really, really hard. But then it starts to be, you start to get the hang of it and it starts to become easy. And all of a sudden it's effortless. You don't even think about it. And that's how I'd say the transition has been doing, going from my silver to my gold to other projects that I've taken on throughout my adult life. I mean, yes, there's always going to be a struggle. Um, but that's, I, that, I find that's where you find your strength is through those struggles. Now, do you remember what your silver was? I do not. The gold word is the one that stands out. I apologize. No, that's really common, actually. Anybody that I've interviewed on here so far, um, even like young alumni, uh, they tend to say, well, we were so service focused. I don't remember which one was the silver, which is good, but it's yeah, I, I, do, I do have a good story for a silver, though. I do have a good silver award story that I could throw your way. Um, yeah, tell me. That's when it. I was in middle school, um, my father was, we were living in Stockton, California, my dad, or Manteca, California, excuse me. My dad was stationed in Stockton at Rough and Ready. Um, it was a Navy base before it closed. And that part of California is not necessarily the safest. And I remembered, I was a part of a Girl Scout troop, but there, you know, we really couldn't go door to door. It just wasn't safe in some parts of the town we were in. So we did a lot of sales at grocery stores. However, this cadet troop, cadet and senior troop, I believe the cadets for their, for their silver at the time, or they got an award because what they did is they marketed their Girl Scout cookies to a local dealership. So they sold some insane amount, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of boxes, and they signed an agreement that they would only do this with this dealership. So you bought a car and you got a car full of, of Girl Scout cookies along with the car purchase. Whoa. And it was just brilliant. I just remember it as a young kid because we all thought it was brilliant because here these girls are in a very, are in a very rough neighborhood. It's not safe for them to go around. They're very limited on how they can, how they can um, volunteer. I'm not volunteer, how they can sell their cookies and raise money. But at the same time, they are able to um, raise money and learn business skills that, I mean, I don't know what employer would not be impressed with that on a resume. Yeah, that's such a cool story. So, um, that was a write-up that they did about it. So I remember that as a girl. Wow. I love the creative ways girls come up with to sell insane amounts of cookies. Like, my troop just does, you know, the standard activities and that, that's great. And I'm very proud of them. And they grow a lot from those standard activities, you know, from the program, the way it's written. But some of the absolutely. creative sales techniques are just really impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's just some of the things I've learned. And I, um, I love, I still love Girl Scout cookies today. So for me, I actually have a very good friend who has a troop back in, um, Virginia. It's troop one, two, five. I have to shoot a shout out to Vanessa Fury because she does this for her girls. And one thing that she does for them um, is that she has for her girls buy cookies to send to military members overseas. And another thing she also does, if you don't want to buy cookies or if you're on a diet or whatever it is for January, because New Year's resolutions, she um, 
you can, um, instead of purchasing a box of cookies, you can purchase a, a badge or a project for the girls. And I think that's something really neat as a way to donate since the funds they do raise from cookies go back, you know, a portion of it goes back to the girls. Yeah, that's such a good way to phrase it. We do um, cookies for soldiers stationed overseas as well. Um, and my council does that. So any troop can participate in that, which is great. And, and that is such a good, like, such an easy sales pitch because if you ask anyone, almost no one will say no. If you're like, do you want to yes. donate one? Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think that messaging about where the money goes is so important, especially as prices continue to increase over the years and um, customers start pushing back on, especially if you're selling outside of a grocery store, the fact that they can buy a dollar pack of cookies inside the grocery store. So why should they spend five or six dollars on? Some counts are still as low as three fifty, but you know, um, five or six dollars on average on a box of Girl Scout cookies. And it's like, well, it's not really about the cookies; it's about the program. So, like, this money is a fundraiser. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so uh, other than high awards, what other um, memories do you have from Girl Scouts growing up? I would definitely say just being in different troops. Um, so I, when I started Girl Scouting, we were in California. And I don't remember too much of that as a daisy, five years old. But then the next place I was, I do remember, was Hawaii. My dad was at Kaneohe Bay Marine Base, which is in Kailua um, on Oahu. And that is where my mom, um, we met her, one of her best friends. Um, and her best friend's husband was also a Navy dentist. And so we had a Girl Scout troop actually on a Navy base in Hawaii. So we did things like go ride horsebacks. We did so many things at the beach. Uh, we, um, we just re we have Girl Scout memories of going trick or treating. And it was just a nice way to bond because also during that time, a lot of our fathers went away to Operation Desert Storm. And so to have those girls be there as part of that bonding experience when all of us didn't know when our dads were coming home or moms who were overseas, it really, it kind of, it, it went beyond just, you know, an organization where you come to learn, it became another family. So that is definitely one memory that stood out. That's amazing. What a special, what a special influence the organization had on your life. And like you said, not just your lives as the girls, but also on the moms, just what it brought in a sense of community at a time that is hard on your family. Like, that's really amazing. Okay, so now that you have this fancy international lifestyle as an adult, um, I wanted to also have the opportunity to talk to you a little bit about international travel and volunteering overseas. And um, one of the coolest things about Girl Scouts as the girls get older is the travel opportunities that exist with the organization. And so, just to start with at the very like beginning, what advice in general do you have regarding international travel and volunteering overseas? I would definitely tell the girls to make sure they get all their vaccinations, um, to register on the Smart Traveler program, make sure they have photocopies of everything. This is, this is probably the doctor in me that's talking and email copies to themselves as well as their family. Um, because you never know where you're going to be, where you might need something, um, as well as a lot of good antibiotics. Recently, I just got back from doing a mission trip in Morocco, 
And I have been to 20 countries alone in 2018. And Morocco was my last country I did. And I got very, very sick overseas when I was there and when I came back. And, um, and it was just one of those things that it didn't matter how careful I was, always washing my hands, never eating anything that didn't have a peel, drinking bottled water. Um, it's just something I would definitely advise people just to be prepared for and also having a good, you know, good thing as far as um, go. But absolutely go. You will learn to appreciate things that you never thought you could appreciate. I didn't have hot water for a few days, Up hot water for a few days when I was up in the mountains and it was very cold. It was about 40 degrees. Whatever temperature was outside was the same as the inside of the building. So I became very grateful for my first hot shower. <laughs> um, however, I got to work with kids um, who didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Arabic or French, but there's certain things that are universal. And when you volunteer overseas, it's not about what you can give them, um, like, you know, item wise, but it's what you give of yourself that really matters. And it's going to change you because it's going to make you realize that there's things that we have in our own country that other people don't have and vice versa. And, you know, enjoy, enjoy the culture, learn the language, taste everything, you know, as long as it's safe for you to taste it. Um, and, and, and also just travel in pairs. I wouldn't recommend you volunteer. You don't go anything by yourself. Um, always be with a group of people because you know, you never know where you might be in a world where you just might be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And traveling in numbers is always safer than traveling by yourself, for sure. So with your extensive travel experience, especially in 2018, which is insane, by the way. Um, it is insane. That's why I got sick then, probably. <laughs> probably. What yeah. places do you think, I mean, obviously you could go anywhere in the world, but what places in particular have you been that you think would make really good experiences specifically for like, high school age Girl Scouts to go together as a troop to experience either for pleasure and or for volunteering? Um, one country that sticks out in my head would be Peru. Uh, Peru, I was very, very impressed with that country. I went there a few years ago to hike Machu Picchu and I have several friends who've gone there for mission trips um, for healthcare. And uh, the nice thing about the country is it's got fairly good temperature most of the year. Uh, there's a lot of training. You get to see Machu Picchu, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. The people are so kind and the food is very, um, it's similar to an American diet. They have three main ingredients, banana, chicken, and eggs. That's in almost every meal. So unless you're a vegetarian and you don't like the other two ingredients, you'll be fine. <laughs> so um, that's definitely one country. I would definitely say another place that I felt was very safe. Um, I actually lived there for two, a little over two years was Japan. The neat thing about Japan is even though it is a very rich country in Asia, there is areas of it that really do need help. Uh, it was hit very, very bad back in 2000, I believe it was 2011, um, when they had that tsunami and they had the earthquake. And so when I was there, I was actually volunteering at a children's hospital as well as kids who are disabled or handicapped because in the country they treat they treat kids like that very very differently they don't get exposed to a lot of things that children in america get exposed so when they have someone from outside do things like sing american songs or things they don't get to hear on the radio it really lights them up and it's a very very safe country so those are two that i can think of and then if you're going to come to europe i would definitely tell you italy spain portugal 
there, there's so much to see and do. And the nice thing about these countries is they're on the relatively um, more economical side. So depending on the girl's budget, she can see a lot and stretch her money. Germany, Austria, Switzerland are very safe countries, but they're also very more expensive countries. So depending on what the girls are looking for, if they're looking for more, um, more of an outdoor feel versus more of an arts and cultures feel, that might kind of steer which direction they go. And if they, if a troop wants to do a more service-oriented trip um, where they're doing some volunteering, what kinds of volunteer projects um, are appropriate for girls to do thinking internationally that may be for the high school? So one thing that I've learned, because um, recently I came back from Morocco, and for example, in that country, as well as several other countries that are associated with the mission team, is that teaching is one of the easiest things to get approved to go on a mission trip, and it's one of the also easy things for you to plan and do. So, for example, I taught children colors, but I had to do it with different activities and different songs and arts and crafts one day. And another day, we went through body parts, and I talked about teeth naturally as a dentist. And I would say teaching is something in areas where the kids don't get a lot of exposure, or maybe they want to learn English. That is, there, that is something that could be very, um, trans, that could be done across many different cultures and many different countries. So that's something that, let's say the girls go to Guatemala one year, and then the following year they go to, um, let's say they go to Peru. That's something that they could take the lessons learned there and then apply it to another location, yet with a different group of people, see something else, and also... Once you do something more than once, you get better at it, you improve on it, you find ways to even get more creative with it. What, why do you think international travel is beneficial, especially at such a developmental time? And essentially, what would girls in a Girl Scout troop get out of taking an international trip together? One, I believe that you're going to kind of go through a roller coaster at some point. And when you go through that, it builds camaraderie, it builds teamwork you learn to rely on each other in uncomfortable situations and foreign situations that you wouldn't have a necess necessary um, been exposed to. It also makes you learn how to be self-sufficient and independent, which I feel are great lessons for when you go off to college someday or when you leave home, you're, you know, you're kind of in a, in a, a safety net. You're kind of in your, you know, a kind of a bird's nest. And this is your first opportunity to kind of leave the nest, leave the home, and do something outside your comfort zone. And I believe when you do that, that's where great things will come from. That's where you may find a passion, you may find a career, you may find a focus, a reason of what you wanna do or what you wanna to give to the world that's given so much to you. So yeah, doing that at a young age, um, my first international trip um, was to Mexico City at age 16 and then I did, I really didn't get to see Europe, Europe per se, until I was 26. But every opportunity I've had a chance to kind of leave and, and go outside my comfort zone, I've done it. Um, probably another big trip I did, but it would be hard for the girls of volunteers. I did a deployment in Iraq in 2009. And that definitely um, was well outside my comfort zone, but that's not a good place for the girls to volunteer right now. So <laughs> that's probably not one country I would recommend at the moment. Sure. So where would, where should volunteers start if they're like, okay, I'm listening to this. I think this 
sound generally amazing. I would love, you know, what a pipe dream to be able to take my girls on an international trip, especially if it was, you know, service oriented. Where do they start? Like, what, how do they get involved with something service oriented? Like, especially specifically, they were going to go teach something. Let's say they were going to go teach colors or something like that. Girls could definitely do and would probably love. But like, how? Where? <laughs> So you're, you're asking really great questions. And when I was actually looking earlier this year, cause I really wanted to give back, I was looking through the military and I didn't find any um, missions doing stuff, but I would say start with large, well-known organizations that have been around for quite some time because they've probably, they're not going to have you reinvent the wheel. They're going to tell you, you know, how it is and, and how to get through it. So the company I went through for Morocco was called cross cultural solutions. And one of the reasons I chose them, was because they've been around for quite some time, but they were also endorsed by the Junior League. Um, and the Junior League is a national organization, very similar to the experience I've had with scouting, but now as an adult. And when Junior League endorses an organization, it's like a good housekeeping seal. You know they've been well vetted, they've been well researched. And I that would be one organization. There's several volunteer services abroad organizations um, Sarah, and I can more than happy send this to you when we get off the phone because I have it on a separate Word document that I looked into. And you can search by location. You can search by activity. Some of the volunteering I saw was a minimum of two, three, four weeks where you could be, you know, doing research with dolphins. You could be teaching at a school. You could be part of a cooking um, area where you're helping people teach them how to cook. So the one thing I did like about some of these volunteer organizations, you had a lot of different opportunities to volunteer abroad, what made me choose cross-culture solutions over these other organizations was one, I was limited by the time I could get away from work. And two, I was really impressed how organized they were. I mean, they had an itinerary day-to-day -day what we were doing. They had phone numbers, they had people, they had contacts. And to me, especially since I did this by myself, as far as traveling, I was the only volunteer on this team. I really, I really felt safe. And I felt like what I was doing was making a large impact because they had kind of already laid the groundwork and I was just building upon the foundation that was already there. So how about funding? Like obviously Girl Scouts sell cookies and sometimes fall product to earn some money for the troop, but the return can be pretty small. So they don't necessarily have a huge budget to work with. Do you have any suggestions of how troops can help fund their, tro their trips? Well, I would definitely say GoFundMes um, are really a great way to do it. I, I, I'll be honest, as much as I love Girl Scout cookies, I, um, really, I haven't eaten one in a very long time. However, I love donating to Girl Scouts for actually specific events. So almost like the way that people set up their honeymoon fund where you can purchase like a night out for dinner for them or a horseback riding. I would definitely ask them to say, I would challenge you to do the same thing, except saying, okay, this will pay for a plane, for one girl's plane ticket. This will pay for one, you know, this will pay for food for two girls. So when people see that, they know exactly where their money is going for. It, it builds a bond. It builds an emotion. It builds a connection. So it's like, wow, I just paid for two girls' plane tickets to go to Brazil to go volunteer at this mission. You know, I can afford to pay thousands of dollars, but, you know, or I could give my airline points. That's another way you can get it taken care of is having funding through, um, you, airlines can, you can donate to nonprofit organization, your miles. 
So that's another way where people fly anyways. That's, that's an easy way to give. So those would be some routes for sure, I would say. The other thing I would tell girls is, you know, be creative. You can save change. You can, um, if you know what you want to do and you have a focus, find ways to put it out there. YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, those are all fantastic ways to share a story and plan ahead. The more planning you do ahead for these projects, the more, more money you can raise. Those are great suggestions. I just want to add a little note in here that if you're listening to this, double check with your council and find out what your council's specific guidelines are on how obtaining donations or sponsorships. Make sure that every council does it a little bit differently. So make sure you're following your council's rules and guidelines. Don't just do it, solicit blindly for donations. You want to make sure you're following all of our um, all of your council's rules. Just to make sure that you're not violating any nonprofit status statutes or whatever so make sure you check with your council but I think that that's a really good suggestion absolutely and another suggestion I just thought of is um you know junior league is a very large national organization they're in every country they're not every country they're in every they're every major city and they're in about four countries but one thing that we did is we gave to other nonprofits the money that we raised we used some of it for ourselves but we also gave it to nonprofits so if we knew someone who needed the money was for a good cause or something that we believed in or we were emotionally attached to, we were happy to give money towards them. So partnering with other nonprofits or partnering with groups that, that have the similar goals or they align or honor what you guys are doing, they're also another great resource to let them know, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's our struggle. Can you help us? You know, what advice can you give us? You know, or, you know, we're looking for donations. How can we go about doing that? That's another great way to um, pitch yourselves, but also you build that relationship and that may be a relationship that you may use for every year when you have girls that really want to go, that couldn't go maybe a previous year or, you know, depending on their schedules and funding. Also a great answer. Okay, so what advice do you have for how volunteers can work with their troops toward a goal of international travel? Like, what what should they do to help prepare girls who maybe haven't left the country or something like that? Maybe they haven't even left their direct, you know, metropolitan area. How do they build up and work toward being prepared for international travel? I would definitely say one, one great place to start would be, um, you know, if the place they're going is going to require a lot of physical activity, then having the girls incorporate more walking, more physical activity in their daily routine. That is something that kind of has, I've, I've had my friends do when their families come over to visit them here overseas, is we do a lot more walking in Europe and a lot more walking in Japan than I do in the States. Everyone drives everywhere. That's not necessarily the case when you're overseas. You're doing a lot more physical activity. So I remember them telling their families, all right, I want you to start walking several miles a day. I want you to start running. I want you to start getting out. So that will get you ready physically. Um, I would say like emotionally, mentally, like learning how to pack for overseas, learning what you really, what learning what's a want versus a need. And then also thinking about, you know, what is the purpose? What is our goals? Because depending on where you go, that's obviously going to determine what you pack and what you bring, but you're going to have a very different mindset if you are going to Iceland to help um, the orphan, you know, I guess like, seals versus if you're going to Peru and you are with a hospital team and you're being assistant to them, you know, to a dental group that's actually taking out teeth because that's going to be a warm environment. Um, so 
I think once you have a focus of what you want to do and where you want to go, then think of like, then start breaking it down. Okay. What are these girls fears? You know, what is their fear of leaving the country? What are they excited about? What are they nervous about? And then breaking those out into smaller pieces to find out, okay, what can we do? Okay. So you've never left home. You know, what are you scared about? Scared about not having your phone? You're scared about not having this. Okay. What can we do to get over that? Um, I feel that when you break things out, into smaller bite-sized pieces, it's easier for girls to kind of get prepared for that. For me, every time I go on a trip, I lay everything out. I plan out what we're doing on each day. I bring extra chargers. I have itineraries that email and printed. Um, and I try to be as organized as I can because there's always gonna be hiccups when you travel. But if you've got a, a backup plan, that always makes things easier. Did I answer your question? Yeah, that's all really, really good advice. Um, okay, so do you have any other advice or suggestions or tips or anything like that that I haven't directly asked you about related to all of this? I would definitely say if you want to go somewhere, Google it. Find out if someone else has done it. Um, definitely reach within your network to find out if, if someone else has gone there and done it because what I've learned, and I did this for my last mission, mission trip, was even though I went to a place that's been done many times, I still reached out to the volunteers who replaced me uh, two weeks after it says mother and daughter team because there was things I realized that I didn't have that I wish I had and there's other things I brought that I didn't need and so it's always nice to get real-time advice from people who've gone there and done it and from that they can share their experiences which I think makes things a lot more easier and it, and it better prepares you for what you're prepared to take on you know the experience the adventure that that awaits you I have, um, I'm located at, um, at, at Dr. Corinne Devin on Instagram. That's D-R-C-O-R-I-N-N-E-D-E-V-I-N. Please like and follow. I do a lot of inspirational posts um, from my travels, from me being an orthodontist, as also I'm the current reigning Ms. Earth 2018. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to do other podcasts because to me, when you hear from people who shares their stories and shares their experience, you can find things that can inspire you. And that's something that I hope to do as well, be a role model, not only for my local community, my local host country, Italy, but also for a lot of girls back in the States. Anyone who's thinking about, you know, whether or not you should do scouting or what you can add, get out of it, I can definitely attest to you. I've been in the Navy for 11 years. I'm a commander. Most people who meet me never don't even know that I'm in the Navy because I look like Malibu Barty. That's the name I get at the hospital. However, scouting has shaped me to be very self-sufficient, but also a compassionate and genuine person I am today. And I strongly want to say thank you so much to every single person who volunteers for this organization. You truly um, pay it forward, and it's something I look forward to doing more as um, when I return back to the United States. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story, too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.